back to another special episode of the Epic Experiment Podcast. I'm your host, Bruce. It's episode 146, and I'm joined on the line once again by my co-host, Sneaky Pete. How are you tonight, Pete? Hey, Bruce. It's good to be here. It's good to be back talking Magic the Gathering after our little vacation for the summer. Um, if you like what you're hearing, our content is at the Lotus Council website, thelotuscouncil.com, and circulating on various Discord servers. It's great to be back, Bruce. Like I said earlier, how are you doing? How's life been for you? I'm doing well. It is very good to be back. I always feel recharged after the summer hiatus, and I'm excited for magic right now. I've haven't been I've, I've cut myself off from social media for a couple of weeks while I was working at a summer camp with with kids and and not really invested in it quite the same way. And to come back to uh, to like all the cool stuff happening on with arena cube and there's vintage cube yeah. and there's previews for, for <laughs> uh, the wilds of Eldraine. And I still have like warm fuzzy feelings from Lord of the Rings. Like it's been a good summer for magic. I've been, I'm very excited and very charged up right now. So I'm really excited and really enjoying being back and recording for all our lovely listeners out there on the internet, wherever you are, hopefully you're enjoying uh, your summer and, uh, We'll get back into the swing of things here. So, uh, yeah. Yeah, so it's a new, you know, it's a new rotation soon, like for a new set. Um, we've got, for me, I'm in a, I'm in a new state and uh, a new apartment. So, new job. Everything is becoming new and shiny, uh, which is great. Um, and yeah. with this change, we're going we're gonna to dive into a more traditional conversation. But we're yeah. going to put our little spin on it, and uh, we hope you listeners enjoy our discussion. For now, Bruce, you want to take us away with our first uh, first section? Perfect. Our first segment tonight is going to be Garbage or Great. We've, if you guys are new to the show, you haven't found us before, and, or you're just tuning in, we pick a couple of cards, we talk about whether the card is, should be garbage or whether the card is great in Commander. So we have Nature's Blessing up first. This is the card that Pete found. And it is a super neat card. I'll let Pete re- go talk us through it. This card is cool. Yeah, so um, this is a shout-out to this guy, Fuji, on one of the Discord servers. He plays a banding deck. If you don't know what banding is, please go on YouTube and search it. We cannot do it justice of how freaking <laughs> no, confusing it is. It is. Um, it is a nightmare. It is a mechanic that is on what they call like the blacklist of mechanics. It'll never probably be printed again. Um, because of how confusing it is. There's a list of them, and one day we're going to do a, uh, an episode on that. Um, but for now, here's the enchantment. It's two colorless, a green and a white. For a green and white, you can discard a card, put a plus one, plus one counter on target creature, or that creature gains banding, first strike, or trample. The interesting thing about this card is the creature gains that indefinitely. Like a lot of these cards say, until end of turn, or um, until this card leaves the battlefield. And the weird thing about this, because it's from alliances, and it's so old, the creature literally keeps that effect uh, forever. Wow! <laughs> so, so, it, so if you if this would be eroded today, um, would it put a counter on it, like a like a uh, token to be moved? No, it doesn't. It just it just huh. gives it the ability forever. <laughs> so, um, but I like it because it's huh. it's one of these weird like cards that will make your creature stronger over time especially if you're drawing a lot of cards in green um or you have a lot of creatures in white um creatures like Audric, which give all your creatures an effect every combat seems very good with this card and you'll have to discard one card for this effect to happen and all the plus one plus one counter synergy we've seen in the last uh, few sets for this sort of um combination of colors also kind of makes this card subtly strong and then if you the reader or the um the listener want to figure out what banding is, banding is super strong. So giving a creature banding is almost like giving it indestructible in that right, in the so sense I'm, of how, how it happens. But anyway. <laughs> I'm gonna I'm I'm gonna I'm gonna be somebody like I look at this card, I'm, I'm part of me is interested in this deck in this because I have a Dagatar the Adamant deck as one of my pet decks that is a plus one plus one counter deck. Um and there's a an enchantment that puts a plus one plus one counter on my stuff. Now, I'm going to be honest with you. I don't think this makes the cut anymore. Um, and maybe I'm mistaking it, but, you know, my Dagatar deck wants to put counters on stuff. And the banding could be cool, but you need to have a pretty developed series of creatures. 
in order to make banding a thing. So, um, like, so you need to have at least one of them be pretty large, and you would need to have a couple of them on the battlefield. I would rather see myself build up, like, I, I don't think the banding ability is something I, I'm overly interested in. Uh, and so at four mana, comes down, it probably doesn't do anything the turn you cast it, because you need extra mana to activate it. And then you can choose to put a counter on it or give it banding, which I think are your, probably your first two choices. Um, the trample comes later when you made something humongous. So I, I don't know how much this card is really something you really want to do. The other piece that I don't think people are, are accounting for here is that to activate it, you have to actively discard a card. And you're in two colors that, while they have improved in this regard, and we're going to talk about it later in the show, um, they've improved in terms of drawing cards, but they're not good at it. It doesn't come intuitively to either of these colors. So I'd be very careful about how many times I want to activate this because you're, you're throwing away uh, resources that are going to be hard for you to replace. So, I mean, I would be very tentative to put this in my deck and unwilling to activate it too frequently, meaning that it's probably not worth the card slot in lots of decks. Now, I'm looking quickly at like where does it get seen play, and it gets seen it sees play in Gabriel Angelfire, which I guess is an old commander from Legends, uh, Jared Carthalion, True Hair, which is a Anaya color one, and Arcades a Strategist, which I kind of like it there because you get access to blue, and so you can recoup the cards that you've lost, um, and you're playing with you're going to be playing stuff that's over overstated because of Arcades' ability. To so you're playing two mana zero fours, which act like two mana four fours. So, like you have potential to have that take be great to great effect. But I think in many decks you're not going to get a lot of use out of this just because you're burning. You're going to be burning your resources. Yeah, I mean, again, it's not one of those cards that I'm going to auto include in every Selesnya deck that I run. But I think in a deck that cares about um, like recursion. So this is a really strange uh, commander deck list, but it's Asmira the Holy Avenger. And basically, you okay, play a bunch hold of. Hold on, let's let's read yeah. Asmira because most people, but I don't even know Asmira. Yeah, Asmira so Holy Avenger card. So Asmira is uh, two white green for two three legend with flying. At the end of each turn, put a post on encounter on Asura Holy Avenger. For each creature put into your graveyard from play that turn. That's so, bizarro. So bizarrely enough, um, the card would work based on how they build the deck. We can get into that another time. No, so no, that's okay. But it, that's weird. That's, well, that's basically, weird... and and Miri Weatherlight Duelist could potentially be another strange sort of commander that would work um, right. because of the fact that Miri slows everything down anyway. Um, but anyway, so. Again, nothing's perfect, except maybe the following, the next card that you picked from oh. Wall. <laughs> so, <laughs> I ahead. saw this one, and okay, so I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to just be honest here, audience. I don't usually pre-order cards um, because they are often over, overpriced, but I saw this one and I couldn't say no. Okay, so we're talking Virtue of Loyalty, which is a new card from Wilds of Eldraine. It's a, th it's a five mana enchantment. So three white, white, but it also has an adventure. So for one and a white, you can get an instant that says create a 2-2 two -two knight creature token of vigilance. No big deal, not a big thing, that's cool. However, the enchantment reads like this. At the beginning of your end step, put a plus one plus one counter on each creature you control. Untap those creatures. I'm sorry, my friend. Anytime I've learned in my time, anything that says untap creatures is busto. <laughs> That is broken. Borderless so reclamation I, on a cre on your creatures. You know what I mean? Like yeah, like, yeah. Ugh. All your mana dorks on tap. Your like it's it's really potent. This is a really really powerful card, um, and I I couldn't say no to it. And the fact that it does it every turn, you're going if you can protect this, and it's already a hard permanent type to remove. This card is looks like it's going to be silly. I think people, if you're not all over this card, go and get it, grab it quickly, because I would imagine that in a few weeks, 
this is going to be pretty expensive. This is going to be a premier card from the set because it's going to do broken, silly things. Yeah, I mean, it, tell me I'm wrong. I'm, no, unfortunately, you're not wrong. Double negative. Okay, so this fits in every weenie deck because uh, you always want blockers, right? Throne of yep. the God Faru, you can layer the trigger so the throne happens first, then you untap all your creatures, make them larger. Uh, blue white, blue white control, you know, uh, blue green, or sorry, white green, um, anything with white at this point. Um, this is a finisher. Yep. This is a finisher. Yeah. It's it's, it's, it's scary. It can get it get really scary. No, I'm gonna be honest. It's going right in my Dagatar deck, like unabashed. Yeah, I mean, like that's why I bought it. Say that's too obvious, but yeah. (laughs) So like it does the it it does the thing the Dagatar wants, and now like once Dagatar puts that many counters on things, and you can start moving them around with Dagatar, you can do some really silly things. And for sure. uh, So no card is looks crazy, folks. Um, if you if you're going to your pre-release or you or you've got some packs and you find this card, I think you you put it in your deck and you don't look back. That's that. I mean, it also like a lot of the enchantments that allow you to tap creatures for mana um, seems to be super duper strong too, because then you basically mm-hmm. don't lose anything um, no, every time. So it's it's strong, super strong, strong for sure. All right, let's move on to some segment two. All right, we're going to talk about the color pie. And I think this is a really apropos conversation to have because we're moving into a brand new a brand new set. And uh, when people are opening a brand new, or looking at a brand new set, we have spent a lot of time doing card evaluation. And we're looking for things like how things are going to work in the set, like the nitty gritty. And so looking at things through the, through the lens of the color pie can be one way of helping us discern what cards are going to be strong, what cards are going to be things that we should be maybe overlooking and, and moving on. But let's talk about this because some people may not be familiar with the concept of the color pie. So a, a long time ago, Wizards had no idea what any of the colors should do. They had not a clue. There were cards like in red that did things that were crazy. They had black cards that did things that were like totally unexpected. They did nothing made any sense. And over time... Wizards refined and and consolidated and finally came up with this idea that certain colors should be attributed certain abilities based on what the color can do. So for instance, use an example. Green as a color taps into the power of the land and nature to draw and cast big creatures and to generate lots of mana. All right, so that's sort of what what green's tapped into do. White, for its part, is like a color of honor, honor, purity, strength. They think of like knights and such. So they strengthen numbers, like armies and, and that sort of stuff, and justice and that sort of stuff. All right, so each color has their own sets of inter- attributes to distinguish them. Um, if you want more information, I'm going to put a link to a video that explains it on YouTube by another content creator who does a really great job of dissecting it, give you far more context rather than our 30-second explanation here. Sure. All right. Now, over time, Pete, we've seen that some of these colors have had more changes made to their identity than others, right? <laughs> Don't get me started, man. <laughs> <laughs> oh man, I'm still I'm still struggling with uh, with some of the a big dumb green things that have happened in the last few years, as well as some of the utterly oppressive black cards. Although the, uh, know, I can't yes. complain um, because they are sort of, I think. Merging the colors closer together as they've developed more ways of, you know, sort of uh, theory crafting and things of that nature. Um, but basically, let's start with my favorite color. <laughs> let's start with mm-hmm. reds. Reds reds always struggle with card draw. Infamous. You know, every time you draw a card in red, normally you have to get rid of something in some way to do it. Um, you know, impulse draws, which are like exile on the top card or rummaging, which is discarding and drawing. Looting, drawing cards, and then discarding cards. Um, red has always sort of fallen behind. Um, white was always, you know, can't ramp, can't draw cards, uh, kind of utterly useless. When we started playing, Bruce and I, um, you know, it was like, white was like the weakest color. And now... It was atrocious. It was so atrocious. You know, I, and, I, I, I just, I'm just <laughs> jumping your feet for a second. Yeah, yeah, sure. I remember being... in tw- 2014 was when I got into playing Commander. And like I didn't want to touch white. 
Not like I didn't even want to put it in a deck because it, it, the moment you put white in your deck, you were giving away win percentage and you were just atrocious because it, <laughs> it yeah, it's exactly it couldn't draw you cards and it couldn't ramp. The way it tried to to do that was like compensate for that by making more bodies. And I'm like, I don't need bodies. I need to cast my spells that are in my hand, not make one ones. So yeah. one, like, so, you know, white has probably seen the most change that I can identify in the time that, you know, I've been playing Commander since 2014. Um, and red has two. Um, I don't know, Pete, have you noticed that they have stopped making, um, like, ritual effects for red? Yeah, so, when so was that's, it? the last like, time I saw a ritual was Jessica's Will. And that was uh, Commander, what, 20... It was in the Commander deck for 20s... Whatever, 2017 or whatever. Yeah, there was, there, there was a card in Shadows over Industry called uh, Vessel of Volatility, which is the last time I can think of, an, of a of a ritual-type effect in red. Now, what they've done, <laughs> they've given... They gave red the ability to ramp straight up with treasure, yep, which is, I think, went a ham. huge... <laughs> went ham. They went ham with it, seriously. Like, uh, Dockside Extortionist... Uh, everyone knows that card. In cool. Casual Band players, Dragon, competitive, yeah, Magda, Band Dragon, Magda. Like. Um, ramp, and then also they provided Red with sort of clever ways in Commander. Um, we're not talking about limited, but in Commander to draw a, a ton of cards. Yes. Um, yeah. With artifacts that do it, there are, uh, you know, mm-hmm. Skull Clamp, of course, is the more famous one, but. Um, there are just more creative ways now to to play more things. I mean, there are some red spells that let you play things for free now uh, by exiling uh, them off the top. So, yeah. there's so, some yeah, red spell changes. What about black? Black. Do you black. Mean? I mean, black basically was always kill a creature, uh, recur a creature. Now it's kill a creature, recur two creatures, or kill five creatures, recur two creatures. And then enchantment removal that we we uh, we've noticed in the past, especially with you know cards like invoke despair, feed the swarm, and then the new card from WoW, uh, shatter the oath. Um, which yeah, Bruce, Bruce, do you want to read that one? I mean, that one's straight up uh, one for one, which is fantastic for a common. Yeah. So this is the three black black sorcery destroy target creature or enchantment. Create a wicked roll token attached uh, to up to one target creature you control. So the roll token is if you control another roll on it, put that one into the graveyard. Enchanter creature has plus one plus one. When this aura is put into a graveyard, each opponent loses one life. So you're getting a, a, basically you're getting five mana for a removal spell plus an aura on a creature, which is kind of really good, like really good value for for a five mana. It's unfortunate it's at sorcery speed, but this is a, like a new sort of ability that white that black has had up until. I think the first time we saw it was Theros Beyond Death. Yep. There was a black card that forced that allowed you to target uh, sacrificing a an Death enchantment. The Kami. It was Death of the Kami, right? It was a three-man mm-hmm. instant discard or exile an enchantment from play. I think that was the one. Maybe like that, that, that's another one too. Like there's a, there's a, now been four of them now that I can think of that have been allowed that allowed black to deal with enchantments, which was traditionally a big gap in black's game. And now Wizards is bringing that closer to, I would argue, green, because green gets a lot of artifact and enchantment destruction. And so that's pretty interesting, too, in its own right. It's not efficient at it, but it can do it. So right. that's pretty cool. So, Pete, the changes to the, the, the colors are great. Does Woe bend this? Sorry, Wilds, over, Wilds of Eldraine, does this bend the color pie a lot? Or what are we looking at here? Is your assessment looking at this set? Because I've been away for a month. What yeah. am I looking at here? Are we looking at a set that's like that's bending color identity, or is it sticking pretty traditionally to it? So this is interesting because I think in in terms of a limited lens, it is strictly like very traditional. But in Commander, as uh, a format that is meant to sort of break cards, it it has some some heavy hitters that do different strange things that really shouldn't be done in the colors that they are in. Um, I think the card design is great. I think it's simple, but effective. Um, and then there's a lot of really like interesting synergies with, between cards that they tried to like sort of force two colors for drafting, um, which I, I really enjoy. And I think people will enjoy. 
Um, and then just looking at newer players getting into it, it's actually a really nice set, I think, for new players to understand the game a little bit. Granted, there's a lot of text on these cards with adventure and everything, but the mechanics are pretty simple, and the understanding of cards doesn't have to be, comp- like, I think, incredibly high to understand how to like play and find synergies. Um, yeah, I, th- I think you're right sense. there. I think, like, in in my in my you know brief lo- chance to look at most of these cards, the cards that are like it, it definitely seems to be steering you in a in a two, in a direction of a two color pair. Um, and it looks like mostly allied color pairs is what yes. I'm seeing, um, which is going to put it, make it easier for a newer player to, to pick this up and look at it and be able to establish what should I be doing with my cards? Because I think that's really important. To, like when you when they, when they give us this direction, it's going to help drafters and players who may be new to the game really understand what's supposed to do with the cards and where to look for synergies. Which I like. Okay. It also yeah. gives them the ability to to explore some of these synergies, um, rather than trying to make ten equally balanced pairs. You've got you know five pairs that are going to be strongly supported, yeah. and that's not to say you can't get into the other five, which we would call enemy colors. Um, so like your black mm-hmm. greens and your black white, like those are not. Oh, black white is allied. This is no. this is reminiscent of like War of the Spark when people were drafting that set. Yeah, um, yeah. In that in that sense, like I remember, I mis I misunderstood, so I drafted a, a combination that didn't really like exist, um, and it wasn't very it wasn't a good time for me. But so you had a mess, is what you're saying. Mm-hmm. You had I had a mess of hot garbage, so it was fun though. I enjoyed learning from my mistake, you know. <laughs> um, yeah, and then just. In terms of like evaluation, which is something we talk about a lot, just on the show, off the show, like, what does a card do for our deck? Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. We we definitely spend a lot of time, and most commander players do, because yeah. whenever you look at it, you get a new set, and they come out seemingly all the time. We really have to spend time making sure that we have parsed what is what is really going to lead to the the best outcomes for us. So we're looking at cards and what they offer for us. And there's a couple of ways that people look at different cards and evaluate them. One is quadrant theory. And like essentially this has been postulated by limited resources. Like get shout out to Marshall Sutcliffe. Buddy, if you're listening, you'd love to like give us a shout, you know, let drop our name somewhere. If you're not listening, I know, but if you if you do, okay, awesome. it's okay. Don't 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 get hurt. Don't hurt yourself. Just, <laughs> just so anyway, quadrant theory. Quadrant <laughs> theory, um, where we have whether you're in the beginning stages of the game at parity behind or in the lead and whether which which area the card comes into and is most impactful when it looks at cards and how potential yes yes, that's true and existing replacements yeah yeah and then we look at things like how much like how likely this card is to combo with stuff and there's increasingly like some text on cards that make people sort of sit up and say now my friend that's that there is a combo piece um that's my brain yeah my brain and, and then we get to things like the vanilla test or the French vanilla test. So we're looking at just the raw rate of a card. So whether it's like a 4-4 four, four for 5 mana or a 6-6 six, six for, for 4 or whatever. Um, you're, those, that sort of and then does it have any stat, any evergreen abilities like flying or trample or first strike. Like Those sorts of abilities figure into it pretty prominently. And then we look at the color pie. And I think the color pie is a useful tool for us to evaluate cards because if you can spot cards that offer you abilities that you haven't normally seen in that color, then you yep. have a potential to leverage it to pretty significant advantage on the, on the battlefield. Mm-hmm. Like, uh, so, yeah, go ahead. I was going to say, like, I mean, you've seen a, a few of my commander decks where, like, like Jaxus doesn't play like a red deck. But yeah, no, um, you yeah. know, it's yeah. just like so that's, okay. <laughs> yeah, so that's the thing. Like, so so for instance, Jaxus, um, I would argue has elements of it that so Jaxus, if you aren't familiar with Jaxus, is a red mono red commander that Pete plays to great effect that um allows you to discard cards to make copies of things. And what ends up happening, it plays very much either like a blue deck because it makes copies. Or like a black deck because this stuff keeps seems to seemingly keeps jumping out of the yard 
to be used as fodder for for Pete's game plan, and it results in the the it results in Jaxus being very strong and very difficult to to deal with. Um, yeah. yeah. So, I'm, and I mean, I guess I guess color pie is also nice because for newer players, it's easier to look at it simply. There's five colors. This is what these colors sort of do, and um, looking at hints and like either things to draft or in our case cards we can slot into a deck um, that mm -hmm. would work well for what we're trying to do. Yeah, no, for sure. And there's some really interesting things that you can do with this set that I think that do bend the color pie in some interesting directions. Um, starting first off with uh, Agatha of the Vile Cauldron, which is a red-green legend. And I think, like, so let's read the abilities. She's got an activated ability, creatures you control, Costs X less to activate, where X is Agatha of the Vile Cauldron's power. This effect can't reduce the mana cost to less than one. And then four red green. That was an activated ability, so it's always it's never going to cost you six. It cost you five. But for four red green, other creatures you control get plus one plus one again. Trample and haste until end of turn. So this is an ability that it's a little uncommon to see it pop up just generally. Um, the uh, the activation cost. For the trample stuff, that's totally red green. No, no, no argument there. No one's going to sell you tell you otherwise that. But the reduction on the activated ability, I'm not sure is necessarily something that's usually in red and green. It has appeared in red before, um, with like Zerda the Dawn Waker and stuff like that. But it's a little bit unusual to see it. And so this would be sort of a card that I would flag as being something that. I recognize as being powerful, and if I had a spot that would actively use it, then I would be looking to pick it to, to try and exploit this. Um, as it stands, like I recognize that I'm not interested in this deck, but there's gonna be lots of guy people who lots of players out there who will be because of this unique ability that on Agatha that's kind of hard to replicate in the color combo. So that's something that, as a color evaluation or color pie, I would use that as a way to gauge what that card can do. Now, it does mean the card is fairly niche, but if you sit down with a red green deck and they've got and you've got a lot of a lot of activated abilities, you're hiding your your Agatha in the deck or she's hiding in your command zone. People may not be prepared on how to address that sort of game style because it is a unique approach to the, this color combination yeah and then even like not many people play curse totem you know not many people play cards that lock people out of using activated abilities for creatures so you're going to see some really strange creatures and and things you normally don't see which i, I like because i think rule has become rather one-dimensional um so mm -hmm. it's exciting to see something a little bit different and uh, i'm always welcome for change in this game so it's nice to see um, new cards and new effects. Um, can I bounce off of you real quick and add another card? Oh, by all means. I was I was going to ask you about the mono black one here on our list here, the uh, the sorcery that yeah. you, you picked up. That is super neat, and I think you are worth worth let's talking about. One, because... Let's do that one after this one, uh, like after sure, your yeah. next one. Let's let's rotate okay. this. So good. my this is the card I'm most excited for by far, and okay. it doesn't look like okay. much when it when it when it. It's not a. It's not going to be a, a win condition in limited, but it's uh, a Swiss Army knife as a card, and it does some things that I'm surprised it does. So, charming scoundrel. It's a colorless and a red human rogue. Haste one one. When it enters, choose one. Discard a card. Draw a card, or create a treasure, or choose a wicked roll token. Attach a target creature control. So the first ability oh. is is pretty uh, normal. You know, loot. Mm -hmm. Or rummage, rummage. Uh, with rummage, yeah. The second ability is Red's power level being pushed a little bit with the treasure token mm -hmm. production. But the third one is what I want to talk about, which is the Wicked Roll. It says, it's an aura that's, when it's when the aura is put into a graveyard from the battlefield, each opponent loses a life. Um, so enchantress strategies that don't usually use Red might want this card if they can re repeatedly do something with it to keep making the Wicked Roll. And pinging the opponent um, is not necessarily a red thing beyond, like, tapping a creature to ping an opponent for one damage. Um, 
it's a pinger, but it also buffs the creature. So it's just it's just a very interesting take on red as a card. Um with its flexibility, where red normally is very rigid with its ability to do things. So what do you what is your take? I, I think this card is a lot better than people think it will be. So I think this is part of a larger cycle that um we have forgotten about. So I'm trying to find the card. There's a two mana or two or three mana like vampire from I want to say was it Strixhaven maybe um, that had three sets of abilities just like this um, and it was let's see if I can find the card anyway so what it does yeah but it had three modes like this that you could have, use based on what there is where is this card I think it's here in the set. Uh, so like a, a, modal, a modal spell, yeah. Yeah, a modal creature that entered the battlefield and did this. And I was like, this look, Callous Blood Mage, that's the one. It's two there and a black go. for a two-one, and has three modes on it. So create a one-one black and green pest. You draw a card and you lose a life, or exile target player's gra graveyard. So like this sort of, it's a rare, yeah. yeah so yeah. it's just like just like Charming, Charming, uh, Charming Scoundrel yeah. is a rare. Yeah. So it it it's very similar in that sense, and I think I, I think you're right to be identifying that this sort of card is good because when you have this many options on a card, you're going to get you're going to be assured to get value out of your two drop, right? Like you're going to get your value one way or another, whether you you're looking to play the aura, whether you're looking to 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 rummage because you your your hand is kind of not so good, you're looking to get something better, or you just need to ramp. Charming Scoundrel is good in all three scenarios, and you're not going to be sad to play it. So you're right. It's not a huge, powerful upgrade. I can see, like, Jaxus exploiting this pretty good. I'm making copies of this and making to making treasure tokens and ramping with it. Um, because Here's another one. Charming mm -hmm. Prince with this card. It's the inverse yeah. of itself, um, which is interesting. Mm -hmm. So Boros has some weird sort of flicker. It, that's another thing, right? Boros never was really a flicker combination. Yeah. Now it has become one, and it's leached itself into standard, which is really interesting for for us mm -hmm. as players you're to not, see that. You're not wrong. And that's that's the color pie sort of starting to bend, where mm -hmm. now Boros, like there was a time when Boros never would have been looking to flicker Just stuff. Smack and now there's in the face with sticks, you know? <laughs> yeah. And now and now now you have some reasons to get into that with your white mane lions and your charming princes and whatever else. So absolutely. Um, what do you got? What's next? I, so I was looking at this experimental confectioner, and this thing doesn't read to me like it's a uh, a mono black card. So let's read it: two and a black, two three human peasant. When experimental confectioner enters the battlefield, create a food token. Okay, that doesn't seem like it's particularly impactful. And whenever you sacrifice a food, create a one one black rat creature token with this creature can't block, which is pretty neat. Because if you partner it up with Peregrine Took, <laughs> so it says if one or more food tokens would be created under your control, those tokens plus an additional food token are created. So you, this is literally an infinite combo that you can make food tokens, sack food tokens, make rats, make more food, and then you once it gets rolling, you are going to draw a lot of cards. You draw basically your whole deck. And you're going to go ham, um, which does it. Which I'm going to be honest with you, I would not assume in black and green that you get you get to essentially draw your deck because sorry. that's what. Oh. <laughs> I'm saying sorry because my deck kind of does that. The Rutstein one. Well, I, yes, the Rutstein deck <laughs> does do something similar. It's an um, Izzet deck, anyway. <laughs> yeah, and so this this is going to be kind of feeling like an it build or some sort of thing where you're going to have legitimately an opportunity to draw your whole deck. And I think that's pretty cool. And that that got my attention. I was like, wow, that is yeah. that is atypical. But um, let's see, where's the card? All right, no, that's so then, not the one I want. Anyway, you go ahead with your next one. Go ahead. Okay. So the last, well, we have, I think, is this our last one for this? So it's the last one we have okay. we have right now. That's, I'm sure yeah. we will keep looking and find other things, but I mean, we we could always add. We could always um, keep like continue this conversation as well. Um, Absolutely, it, with the second episode because I feel like this is just a, such a huge, interesting 
thing that we mm-hmm. can stretch. Um, but the, this one actually is going to be um, a legacy combo. Uh, so Beseech the Mirror is uh, a chase mythic in the set. Um, so it is. It gets probably going to be pricey for a bit. Who knows? It's one colorless, three black, sorcery, bargain. Okay. Bargain says you may sack an artifact, enchantment, or token as you cast a spell. Uh, search your library for a card, exile, face down, then shuffle. If this spell was bargain, you may cast the exile card without paying its mana cost. If that spell's mana cost is four or less, put the exile card in your hand if you wasn't cast that way. So, a legacy combo. Beseech the mirror. You cast it. You sack a, uh, a weak creature or artifact, like a token or something, and you play guy as well. And you win the game. Um, because guy as well says, uh, it's a suspend card from MH2 that says... Yeah, for for one green, you suspend it for four. Until end of turn, you may play lands and cast spells from your graveyard. If a card would put into your graveyard from anywhere this turn, exile that card instead. So storm potential in black green, like we said earlier, with the confectionist. This is perfection at its finest in regarding getting around suspend by casting that for free. With the bargain cost, makes you uh, a very tough out. And we might see the recursion of uh, the dull delve decks we used to see before the ban hammer went down mm-hmm. on Ograk. I'm excited to see what people do with this card and what they do with that combo. Um, there's probably a ton of targets I'm not mentioning that people are going to figure out. There's probably going to be modern and standard uh, combos with well, this I've, card. Well, I've, I've got a two or three win right here that I laid out. Chain of Smog? In, in the, yeah, Chain of Smog. So you so turn one, you play yeah. a black green land that's untapped with, uh, well, for, and you cast the adventure side of Hollow Scavenger, which is a Adventure card that says, for what green, create a food token. Okay. Turn two, you play a swamp, and now you're going to cast your Witherbill Apprentice. Which, mm-hmm. turn two, if your opponents don't have removal, they may not know how to deal with you. Turn three, you cast Dark Ritual, you're going to go ahead and, uh, you know, cast your Beseech the, Beseech the Mirror, uh, sack the food token for the bargain, and then you go and tutor up Chain of Smog and win. And yeah. that seems gross. C- CDH combo as well as uh, potential what modern combo? I'm sure. Um, standard is it even standard legal still? It's not standard. No, legal, it's but anyway. not. There's no there's no dark ritual in the format, but you can. And chain of smog is not legal either, but you right. can. I don't know if it's modern. It's definitely definitely feels like a CDH combo, and you're gonna do gross mm-hmm. things. Yeah. Your only hope is that the coast is clear and that your opponents don't have a force and in hand to. Right ruin your day but i think i think that this beseech the mirror thing it doesn't cheat necessarily in the sense of like warp the color pie but it does cheat in the sense that it allows it, it breaks the, the restrictions on mana and that things that are free are usually a problem and so this is no exe- exception we've got a very powerful free spell that's going to get fired off here and people are going to say well looky looky we got a problem so yeah. I think the card is excellent, uh, if only because it it essentially cheats on the resource angle of the game. And I mean, a- any sort of uh, cheating on resources will always be a, a sort of game warping sort of uh, situation that we have. I mean, there's so many examples in each color now that warps the game by cheating on resources in some particular way. Um, Savine's Reclamation, Goldspan Dragon, you know... Green has big green stompy cheat out things. Uh, blue has, you know, put things out or cast spells for free with omniscience idea, and red has oh, exile the top card and do, and do some crazy things with, um, you know, with like Mizzix mastery. So, I, I want to turn this on on a personal level now, because um, it's one thing to talk about potential cards and combos, but it's another to do it as within your own eyes and see yourself playing the game. So. Bruce and I have been talking about how we see ourselves in the color pie. Like, what is our favorite color? What is the color we're most comfortable with drafting? What is the color we, we lean most on when we build a deck? Because naturally, people gravitate towards one color or two colors. But everyone started at least with mm-hmm. one color. Um, and Bruce, if you'd like to go first, uh, by all means, uh, well, just, yeah, well, what do you, so who do you I... think you are? And then maybe maybe what, what who, who you are and what you might be and then um what other people might view you as so i view myself as being somebody who's a green player i like to i like green i like the 
what it offers in terms of, and, and as green has evolved, I've liked it more and more. So uh, I've always been a, I've always been somebody who's been keen to engage in creature combat. I feel that in most situations, my ability to uh, enter creature combat and have and get into the red zone is something that I'm good at. So I like to and I like to get get roll my sleeves up and get down and dirty and fight. Um, and and I can I figure in most cases I will likely win combat. Um, all things being equal, um, I and and as green has become more efficient with their creatures and they've had more um, offered to them in terms of card draw and ability to interact on the stack. I find myself more and more leaning into playing, wanting to play green. Um, at least that's how I perceive myself. Uh, obviously, the party, the the colors that partner with green change, whether it's you know green and black. Like black is usually the one that I lean into pretty hard. I've got a couple of a couple of black green decks. I've got a Belby deck and I've got a Slimefoot deck, and I like those decks. Um, because they are, they do lean into that. I have Dagatar, which is again a black green X deck because you're playing white. I've got Sidisi, uh, Brew Tyrant, so another black green based deck. Um, so I really think that I lean into black and green, with, but with a, with a preference for green strongly. Now I don't know if other people view me in the same way. I've never actually given it much thought. Uh, but Pete, you and I have played enough games. Do you see that that's what I like to do, or do you think that I have misattributed my 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 play style to the color green when I should be looking elsewhere? Well, I just want to say like, there's no wrong answer, right? Because it's you and oh, no. what you enjoy. But I've seen just with the board states you've developed, <laughs> I think white is really your color in regards to how you develop this mm. the board state. Not necessarily that you don't go fat or tall, um, but Usually, even in the Rona deck I saw recently, you had a lot of tokens at one point. Um, no, just that's from, true, yeah. Just from that. And Rona is a black-blue deck. Um, and I think just the way... Like, when we when we drafted together in person, you were really good at telling me how to run an aggro deck because you're good at hitting people in the face. Uh, let's be real. Um, mm-hmm. But I think... I think... Like, your, your, your Maha deck really, I think, exemplifies how you play the game in terms of... Okay. You rip off uh, like a bunch of creatures really quickly. You develop a really big board state, and you just beat the crap out of everybody. And I think that is really a strong sort of suit in terms of how you grew up playing the game, the classics behind it, um, where you would you know play these gruel stompy decks and beat the control players with giant growths and things like that. Um, but that's what I see. And again, this is just me playing with you a few times, but. Every deck, I think, can perform differently depending on the pilot and depending on what cards are chosen to be in the 99 and what aren't. So it's a, it's a consideration. Um, and like there are other decks that I've seen in green that don't perform as green, like Alundo. Your Alundo Simic deck is an Izzet deck. It really is. It is, a, it is a combo deck that revolves around an arbitrary amount of times to untap and tap Alundo to make more value. Similar to an Izzet player playing seven to eight Storms effects and killing you with a uh, brain freeze, you know what I mean, in the classic yeah. sense of it. So, um, and, and in regards to me, I guess, I think I'm more of a black player just because of the fact that I used my graveyard my whole sort of time playing the game. I started off with a Demir mill, self-mill and mill deck in the guild kits um, when they used to sell that product. I started with Golgari guild kits as well, and then I ended up slowly moving into Commander, playing an Alesha Reanimator deck, and now I've played every deck I play runs some sort of recursion, so everyone plays Tormat's Crypt against me, which is fine. You can tech it against me. I, I accept my my own shortcomings and <laughs> my own greed, because I am a greedy player. Um, but uh, we've, we've talked about this before. A lot of the decks that I've run with red in it and black end up not becoming necessarily a red-black sort of a traditional sacrifice smack you in the face with a tall fat creature but more so like comboing off <laughs> with some yeah, strange so, place <laughs> yeah no i would i would definitely put you as being somebody who's lean, not a black player um truly because i mean the truly degenerate like because you've got like a lot of the combo sort of feel to most of the decks you build and that combo i would sort of attribute it to being more of a red uh, a red sure. sort of style 
um, where you're getting stormy-like effects out of your decks that may not be storm decks. Um, the Greven one is a is a is a is a very different sort of build because it's um, because it's very aggressive, and if people are not prepared for it, they get themselves demolished by a very angry Greven very quickly. Um, <laughs> yeah. And yeah. and while like there's like. Is the combo with that one just a fling? If I have forgotten, right? Is it? Oh, there's like, there's having... a few. There's Chandra's ignition, which kills. Oh, everybody. right, that's what. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That but one. there's there's um, there's hatred as a one shot KO. Right. There's uh, there's um, I used to play repaint kind, but now I just play, um, like I think I have one fling effect still. But yeah, it's basically make Revan as big as possible, make him untargetable, kill the table. Uh, right. And that's and that's to me is like not really that's not that, that's not leaning into the black player in you so much as playing into like a like a really aggressive like like the way you're getting Grevin big is black for sure sacking life but sure. I think the the, the Grevin as a whole I would see you more as a red player myself yeah. um, where you're doing the storm you like you want to play storm and like I almost like expect like when you play Rutstein. And like when when Pete plays Rustine, folks, he's got a loop where he can sack all his things and bring them back, and sack them all again and bring them back. And next thing you know, you're dead to a, a million infinite like enter the battlefield triggers and 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 just drain effects and things like that that just are going to like they feel very stormy, like gut shot sort of style, yeah. um, where you do the you're going to kill your opponent one like one life point at a time by recasting gut shot as many times as you want. Well, the gut shot is not is not a spell. It's creatures and bouncing in and out of the graveyard. So, mm-hmm. um, so it feels kind of stormy in that sense. And I would say I would treat you being more of a red player. But again, like you said, there's no there's no right or wrong answer here. It's just an interesting sort of conversation to have. And how how you were viewed by others, I think, is an interesting um, an interesting exercise to do. So that when you sit down to play somebody, if they take certain lines with you. They might be looking at you in a very different light than you think you are. Exactly. So, for I, I think the example, like very simple, like you don't, you, you look at your stuff on your table and you're like, I'm not a threat. Okay, so okay, you're you're not anticipating having somebody target you with their removal spell or their bajuka bog or whatever it is they're targeting you with. And all of a sudden they go, Pete, I'm gonna get your get your yard. And you go, Oh, oh, really? I mean, <laughs> I guess. And right. and you don't. And to you, you don't really understand why you're being targeted. Like, I, I've had, it's happened to me. I'm like, oh, what am I not seeing from a threat assessment standpoint? And it could be very much the way they view you in the way that you, you play the game results in them using a threat assessment tool that is just a little bit different, where they're like, I think Pete is, is in danger of comboing out here in the next turn or two, and I want to take a step to, not, to, to make sure that doesn't happen so that I, I have a chance in this game. And I think, I think that's a, that's an interesting conversation to to engage in, so that you can be prepared for and make an appropriate response. Yeah, I was going to just add say? real quick that um, I think we evolve over time as well, right? Like I think we start yeah, off as, as something, and, and sometimes we grow into other situations. Um, I found myself like like becoming more comfortable with sort of control based uh, strategies overall, like in limited mm-hmm. and in commander. My friend uh, jokes with me a lot. He goes, "Peter, you're you're definitely a control player. You don't want to admit it, but you are." And unfortunately, I think he's right. <laughs> so there you there go. We go. Well, All any right. other thoughts here? I mean, this this seemed to be one of our stronger conversations in terms of depth, and I appreciate you uh, wanting to do this with me, Bruce. So happy to do it, my friend. Happy to do it. All right, folks, before we sign off, um, if you, as always, if you want to uh, find out more about where you can find the show, the links will be, all that information will be in the show notes. By all means, go and check us out. Send us an email, whatever. Find us on social media. We'd love to hear from you guys. Love to have it. Uh, it's been, it's been, uh, it's good to be back. And hopefully the audience out there is keen to ask us questions. All right. So with that there, Pete, I think it's time for us to sign off. What do you think? I think we've, uh, We've done our part today. <laughs> I think so too. I feel feel good about this one. All right. Thanks very much, audience. Take care. Have fun wherever you next play Magic. Good luck at your pre-releases. And oh, yeah. we'll talk to you all soon. Talk to you later, guys.
If you get that 7-0, email us. We'll shout you out on the next episode. Thank you. And take care. Take care.